Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop writer, Alice. Hello! Alice, of course, been on the show before uh, two times. Uh, we talked about the Black Cauldron on a nostalgia episode. We talked about a TV catch-up and realized that Alice watches anything and everything. Uh, Alice was recently on a Promising Young Woman uh, review with me. I thought that was uh, one of the better episodes that we've ever put out. At least one of the most important episodes that we've ever put out. And uh, we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. On today's show, we'll be talking about a coming attraction, where we'll give our thoughts on what's coming out soon. And then on to our Sif topic, uh, which will be a TV catch-up. Uh, and then we'll explore the B-plot, answering a question that I designed for us to talk about. And uh, we'll wrap up with spinoff quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Alice, when you came on and you talked about TV for the first time, I had absolutely no idea how you were able to do it. So the question that I have for you is, there has to be a system. What's the system? (laughs) Yeah, look. Everyone around me asks me the same question because I definitely watch the most out of anyone I know. It helped when I was in a three-month lockdown due to COVID because I had nothing else to do, so I might as well catch up on everything. However, the way I've been catching up since we've been sort of out of that uh, hole is what I do is pretty much every morning when I get up, I put on a TV show, an episode of something I need to catch up on, and normally before I get to work, I'll get through at least two episodes of something. My community to work isn't long enough for me to sit down and like read a book or anything because I'm constantly getting in and out of trains or walking somewhere but I can have something up on my phone as I'm you know getting ready or making my breakfast or something like that and then um, I do the same when I get home and then the other ways I'm able to get through things is you know there'll be nights when my partner he's a big gamer and he'll have you know nights with the boys where he games and then I can just easily just bang through so many episodes in that time and I always have something on when I'm cooking as well luckily the way that my apartment is you know I can see the tv pretty much from any spot so I'm that's I just constantly have something running essentially for example I started and ended the undoing yesterday so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But uh, other question I have for you, Alice, is uh, uh, what is the best movie that you've seen in 2021 so far? Now, the caveat for this is it has to be a first watch. It can't be a rewatch of Zombieland, but it does have to be a 2021 or it does not have to be a 2021 release. It could be something new or old. It just has to be a first watch for you. What is that? Well, ironically enough, it's Promising Young Woman. You know, as you know, I've been catching up mostly on TV this year so far, but of the movies I've seen this year, Promising Young Woman, 
head and shoulders and chest and everything above the rest. So yeah. good. I'm also going to say Promising Young Woman. That's great that that's still both, both of our favorite movies we've seen this year. Yeah, anybody that says that nothing good since COVID has come out is just a liar. So then I have one, one uh, silly question for you, and that is, what is the most ridiculous fact that you know? It is legal to commit murder in Hong Kong under very specific circumstances. A woman who has been cheated on by her husband is allowed to murder her husband as long as she does it with her bare hands. However, if she then then still has an itch, if she then still has a killing itch she needs to scratch, she's allowed to kill the mistress or, or mister however way she wants, and she will not get arrested. So, in Hong Kong, if a man cheats on a woman, yes. the woman his can wife. kill... It has to be his wife. It can't just wife. be like a girlfriend. Yeah. Then she is allowed to kill him only with her bare hands. Correct. And then can kill the mistress by any however means she necessary. Wants. Okay. Correct. That's that's interesting, because like, is the man allowed to fight back? Is, <laughs> is, is the man allowed to do the same thing if a woman treats... Like, Gosh, Look, this... I found out this fact. How do you know when that? I, was, I had like a little book of facts when I was 12 that I got from the bookstore. And one of the sections in this book of facts was interesting laws. And, you know, it had like how you're not allowed to chew gum in Singapore and that sort of thing. And then it had in the last page this bit about Hong Kong. And it has not left my brain since then. That's that's very interesting. It's very interesting. The most ridiculous fact that I know is so I grew up in Indiana. In Indiana, le- look, le- this is a legal law. This is not an in-practice law, but um, you have to have a hunting license to kill anything. Meaning, if there is a mouse in your home and you set a mouse trap legally, you have to have a hunting license in order to do that. Now, nobody's actually gonna care and all that, but it's just one of those like technicalities. But yeah, like, no, nobody enforces that law. So, no, uh, I. I get what you're saying because I was just thinking about another law from that book of facts that I read as a kid uh, in Alabama where it's like technically it's illegal for a woman to wear heels or for anyone to wear heels because once a woman like tripped, she was wearing heels and she like tripped on the sidewalk and um, like it got stuck in the crack and she fell over and she sued the city and then got a settlement. So then they put in law that you're not allowed to wear heels anymore. There you have it, Alex. Alex, uh, I know Alex is from Alabama, so... (laughs) You get yeah. you, got, you got to tell people to stop wearing heels. It's against the law. But yeah, let's uh, let's start talking about some TV, some movies, some fun stuff like that. Uh, pretty exciting things. It's going to be Apple TV Plus a week for the coming attractions, apparently. And uh, so I staggered this in a way that none of these actually come out this week. But there's kind of not really much coming out this week. But there's a million things coming out soon. Like I kid you not, up until I think April, or I have the schedule booked with two new coming attractions every week. Um, now, some of those are just in case you know, I haven't, I'm not sure if something's actually coming out, so I have a fallback. But like two things that we're talking about are coming out on February 26th, but the next week is coming to America and Tom and Jerry and Raya and the Last Dragon. And like we're not talking about Tom and Jerry because that's the least important out of these three. And, uh, so like there, there's a lot coming out. There's a lot that we just don't have time to get to everything. And it's okay. I'm not doing more than two a week ever. <laughs> that's not going to be the plan. And only two a week if if I think that they need to be talked about. So uh, yeah, uh, let's start with, uh, gosh, you want to start with Billie Eilish or Cherry? Uh, let's start with Billie Eilish. Okay, we'll start with Billie Eilish. This is a documentary coming to Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, this will actually be hitting theaters as well on February 26th, so theaters and Apple TV+. Plus 
on February 26th. Uh, this is called Billie Eilish, uh, The World a Little Blurry. The synopsis for this is, it's an intimate look at the singer-songwriter's journey navigating life on the road, on stage, and at home while creating her debut album. So um, this is the album that came out in 2019, the only actual album she's released, which that shocked me. Because when I read the synopsis, I was like, okay, but she's been around for a while. And, well, mostly singles and, like, I think EP, uh, some EPs. As like, obviously, like, they wouldn't have a documentary crew following around some nobody that got popular on SoundCloud. Like, if we followed everybody that was trying to become a musician on SoundCloud, like, there wouldn't oh. be enough film in the world. But Yeah. Also, it'd be boring. <laughs> That, that is also very true. So this is about the 2019 album. So she was already you know, a huge megastar. Uh, Alice, um, first of all, what are your opinions on Billie Eilish in the first place? I'm not someone who I would consider myself to be a you know, big fan of hers. However, I'm also not someone who just you know, hates her for no reason. You know, there are definitely people that, especially when there are y- very young stars that suddenly blow up it can be very popular to kind of jump on that hate train but no I like I really enjoy some of the songs obviously bad guys a bop even though I've heard it now a bajillion times and I don't want to oh, hear yeah. it again it's still bops <laughs> but, it's still uh, but I really really I really enjoy her Bond theme um, so I'm really yes. excited to see that when the new Bond movie drops um, so I really enjoyed that I was really impressed with it because I had no idea what to expect and as you know I, know, I talked about this briefly you know in one of our yeah. chats before the podcast but I've been inadvertently following her um vanity fair has have a series they've been doing on youtube where it's like an interview every year and they've been doing it now for four years so back when she had minimal followers in comparison to now where it's like 124 million followers or whatever on instagram but back then it was like still in the hundreds of thousands she was still only at certain festivals, like more, you know, music lover festivals and people, some people knew her, but they didn't really know her. And then it's basically the same questions every single year and it's showing how she has changed within, you know, when she was, um, I think she was 15 and now when she's like 18 or something. And it's been really, really interesting to watch. So, you know, that has been maybe like 30 minutes of total viewing. So I'm like very interested in this movie because she's someone who fascinates me as a person you know she's both private and then not and anyway so yeah I I would say that I listen to her stuff as she comes out but I'm not like a fan okay so I think I think this is really the crux on how you are feeling about the movie I think it all depends on if you're on board the Billy train or not and uh, I agree with you I think the Bond theme is excellent Um, I'm really excited to see how that plays in and fits with the theme of the of the movie the message when they announced it was Billy Eilish I was like oh that's a really interesting pick and I'm totally here for it but also like my only exposure to her was bad guy but I I wasn't expecting this sort of beautiful gothic ballad. Is that maybe what you what you would call it? Um, and since then, I you know I've heard only a few songs from her, but from what I have heard, I really like she. She's one of those artists that I think I want to listen to more. So so what about the documentary? Um, then this this coming out. Uh, given your kind of thoughts about. Billie Eilish and kind of checking out the under, understanding what this documentary is about. So this is going to be theatrical release as well, probably probably limited. So probably just your like little indies will be playing it. But how, how excited do you think you are for this movie? Would you would you go to the theaters opening weekend? You know, of course, also no COVID in the world, anything like that. Um, would you wait for a matinee a couple weeks? you know, in, later in theaters? Would you wait to rent it at home? Uh, would you wait till it's on a ser- streaming service you already paid for? You're just not interested in seeing this movie. I'm pretty keen. I wouldn't say I'm 
insanely excited. So probably a matinee in terms of level of excitement. I definitely want to watch it. I'm a big documentary in general. Like I love watching documentaries when they're made well. Um, and especially when they're about on subjects that I am actually interested to learn more about. So, you know, yep. you mentioned that her brother does a lot of the songwriting. Like I'm really interested to know how that works. Like how much does he do? How much does she do? What's the dynamic there? Like, how is that all coming together to make these albums and these songs? So that's something I've always been interested in. And, you know, they talk about it in interviews and stuff like that, but I think it'd be really fun to just watch it. So definitely matinee level. Uh, I think I'm exactly with you with matinee level. And I think the only reason, so like realistically, I see this as paying something that I've already like on streaming service realistically, but that, that is not anticipation level. Anticipation level is I think I'm matinee because i'm really excited but nothing necessarily is like i gotta see this as soon as i can and i don't know that any documentary would be like that i mean like the closest you're gonna get is something like free solo or like man on wire something like that you know oh, yeah. it, it would if you see a trailer or something like that you're like holy crap i gotta know what happens but i think inc- excitement level is matinee and i and i think it's entirely just because i am not familiar enough with her music but i i, I do hope this does launch me into her music yeah. more I, I hope this is a good kind of pathway to that i'm a sucker for a good documentary uh, but it does have to be a subject that I'm interested in. Most of the documentaries I watch are true crime documentaries. But like, I think Won't You Be My Neighbor is the best documentary ever made. And I don't think it will ever be beat in my book. But I think something has to to grab me to be mm. something that I'm interested in learning more about. And I think most artists out there, I'm not necessarily interested in watching a documentary about them. But Billie Eilish is definitely one of those that I'm like, okay, I want to get in her head just to kind of experience what what's going on in, in her head. And, yeah, it, you know, it's fascinating on both just from her, like what I mentioned with the intrigue and the songwriting process in her particular case with her brother. But then it's just also fascinating on a psychological level because like she's so young. She's one of the, if not the biggest star in music right now. What must that do to someone, especially because she is very private. She doesn't conform to typical fame standards, I wouldn't say. You know, her clothing is still exactly what she wants to wear. And she, you know, has a lot of like jewelry and stuff, but it's definitely her style and her way of doing it. And she isn't doing what you'd expect people to reach this level of stardom to do. So I'm just really interested to see how that's affected and how she's been able to continue being just like, regular i mean i don't know this is just purely from my own observations from my very limited understanding of her but yeah it's just fascinating on both of those levels and so that's why i'm so interested in it yeah i totally agree with that sentiment i don't really know how much there is to talk about this i mean it's a documentary Mm. about a musician i just i think let's talk about cherry cherry is uh, also an apple tv plus original this will be hitting select theaters february 26th probably your same theaters that'll be playing the billy eilish documentary uh, again, it's called Billie Eilish, uh, The World a Little Blurry. But uh, Cherry uh, will be hitting theaters February 26th and Apple TV Plus on March 12th. So again, a little bit more distant. Probably could have waited to talk about this one for a hot second. Um, the synopsis for this is an army medic suffering from PTSD becomes a serial bank robber after an addiction to drugs puts him in debt. Uh, Alice, one of the reasons uh, that I wanted to talk about this so early is that actually Cherry went live um, two days ago on the Apple Screeners website, uh, and I'm going to be doing a early review with Shane about uh, about Cherry coming up here soon. But I wanted to make sure that we talked about it before I actually watched it, because I'm pretty sure I'm watching it this weekend. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to get a chance to talk about this before. Alice, what do you think about this movie? Uh, same things. If, if theatrical release, no COVID, all that. Um, opening weekend, matinee, streaming, rent, or never watch. Opening weekend, 
for sure. There is just way too many many elements of this that intrigue me that I also don't want to wait too long so that other people have seen it and potentially spoil me on it. So opening okay. weekend. Great. I'm going to stick with matinee. I think there is so much about this that is is very intriguing to me. So many things about this that make me want to see this movie. Uh, it's definitely still enough. I'm still very excited to see this movie. I, I think a lot of that is going to stem from I, I really love Tom Holland. I think he's just incredible. I fell in love with him when he did the uh, the umbrella dance on lip sync battle, <laughs> and uh, as did America. And you know that was it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, really, I think he's a great Spider Man. I'm excited to see the places that his career is going. I don't think I've seen anything outside because I didn't see Have the, you seen the, impo- the impossible. With no, it's on my. I own it. I'm so really good. excited to see that one. I have. I haven't so seen that good. one, and I haven't seen um, the current war, which I know he is in. Yeah. He he is the voice of Tom Hardy's son in Locke, and I've seen Locke. Oh, uh, the Devil all the time. I did see that one. That's the recent one that he did. Uh, and and I think onward. He did, and onward. That's right. So yeah, apparently I've seen more than I initially <laughs> remembered. But uh, wh- where do you want to start talking about Jerry? Yeah. So the way I want to talk about it is, so I've just seen the trailer and I've read the plot that you kind of read out and that's all I'm going to give myself before I watch the movie. Um, okay. Besides, you know, looking at the actors or whatever. This movie is giving me a really interesting combination of other movies I've seen vibes, which is why I'm so interested in it. So to me, it seems like, and tell me if you agree, like a weird amalgamation of high, uh, Hello High Water and Battle, uh, not not Battle of the El Royale. <laughs> what am I thinking? Bad of? times at the El Royale. Bad times at the El, not Battle. Oh my God, Hello High Water. Bad times at the El Royale, and then very low key like Edgar Wrighty ideas. So it's this really mix that I got from the trailer and I'm very interested to see in what way it actually plays out in the movie and I love all three of the the things I just mentioned like I love Hello High Water, love Bad Times with El Royale, love everything Edgar Wright ever makes so I'm yeah. very keen for that reason. So the things that sound that looked like an amalgamation to me was I did get uh, Baby Driver vibes because bank mm-hmm. heists and I think specifically like the the middle heist where they wear the like light up things like with the yeah. post office heist like that reminded me of when Holland comes in and and does them uh, <laughs> but more spe- more specifically I was thinking of the place beyond the pines oh um, uh, yeah because of just kind of the way that the heists happen seemed to be very reminiscent. Uh, in this movie to me uh, at least the Ryan Gosling portion of that movie combine that with like I mean I immediately thought of like uh, the uh, the old guard but like the military aspect of that uh, or the 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 military portions of Iron Man but we've seen just very brief um, stuff but you know we see how that affects Tony and whatnot so there seems like there could be so much going for this movie I I didn't get bad times at the R.A.L. vibes I did I also kind of got a little bit of hell hell or high water vibes I just thought place beyond the pines was a little bit more accurate Hmm. um because this clearly isn't a small town in Texas no Um, it was just more the 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 heist and the way that they frame the heists in the trailer really gave me that hell or high water and especially yeah. not just that, but like the reasoning behind it, like that, that whole, like, it's not just for one thing. There's a reason behind it. I don't know. Just all of that, like guy ends up in a really bad situation and now is having to deal with it by heisting. Like, you know, that's yeah. literally <laughs> hello high water. So that, and then the bad times at the El Royale thing is very much like for one, there's that one, uh, the kid, the bellhop in the Bad Times at Del Royale, who really reminds me of Tom Holland. So, like, that's part of it as well. 
Um, and, you know, he played someone who had PTSD from war. It was almost like they took that storyline and decided to make it into an entire movie sort of thing. So that's why I was getting those vibes from it. Okay. Uh, the other thing about this movie is uh, directed by the Russo brothers. I think that's important to note. This mm-hmm. is their first post-MCU thing that they've done. They've, they've produced a couple things. They produced that 21 Bridges movie with uh, mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman, which is actually like kind of really liked for what it, it is. Yet. Yeah, so directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, who, yeah, again, I don't think have directed anything other than MCU since Winter Soldier. I mean, some TV stuff now and then. Let's see. This is also uh, based off of a book, actually. I couldn't remember if it's book or graphic novel. Looks like a, mm. looks like just a novel. Author is Nico Walker. This is the only movie that's been adapted um, from any of his work. And the Russo brothers didn't write this, but you know the Russo brothers didn't write the MCU. So yeah, it was <laughs> uh, written by someone called Angela Russo Otstot, which I assume is she's related to them in some way, shape, or form, or they just have the same last name. The other uh, part of the cast that actually really intrigues me is Jack Raynor. So people mm-hmm. will recognize him from um, most recently Midsummer uh, as Florence Pugh's um, love interest, question mark. Then also I really like him in Sing Street. He plays the older brother in Sing Street. Yes. And every time I've seen him in a movie, I am he's very magnetic. Like I'm always looking forward to the scenes he's in. I'm really interested. He's really great and he's done lots of diverse roles so the fact that you know i'm looking at the cast list now and he's playing a character called pills and coke so (laughs) i'm very interested to see how that plays out as well yeah well let's not forget jack raynor of course playing the ever so popular shane in transformers age of extinction (sighs) we were talking about specifically didn't mention that role (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no he's great in sing street um i really love him in sing street and um i think that's the only thing i've ever seen him in but besides Transformers, which nothing about that movie is, is good. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop talking about that. Notoriously had a marketing fumble where they released the poster and it was like... Chirk. Yeah, it was... It, it, something yeah, they, about it was wrong. They spelt it wrong. So instead of saying cherry, it said Chirk. C-H-E-R-K. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, like, I how mean, do you mess that up? I know! It's one word, and it's a very common word, but um, no, it was just kind of... Uh, if I was their marketing, I would have tried to maybe, like, play it off as some weird stunt, but they just came out and they were like, yeah, our bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not called Chirk, it's called Cherry. I think you take Tom Holland out of this movie, and you take the Russo Brothers out of this movie, and I, I'm mm. probably more towards, like, a streaming excitement about mm. this. And I'm not saying that Tom Holland and or the Russo Brothers can do no wrong. I'm just saying I I like their track record. I mean, even before the MCU with Arrested Development and Community, like, I like the Russo Bros. I mean, with Tom Holland, you know, outside of Spider-Man, like, I thought he was definitely a strong point in the devil all the time. I, th- I think there's enough here about the story that definitely I'm far from the never watch category. Uh, I feel like I would... Even without them, I'd probably still keep it on opening weekend just because it is giving me, I mean, I don't know when it officially comes out and we get the reviews, what they'll say, but it does seem Mm -hmm. very much like a for your consideration, probably going to be nominated for things type movie. So I feel like I'd end up watching it opening weekend anyway as part of my watch every single thing that ever gets nominated before the Oscars tradition. So it has a lot of potential. I like the idea of the story. I like the cast. I like the filmmakers behind it. And it's very different to anything that the Russo brothers has done. It's not so, maybe not so different for Tom Holland because he did Devil all the time. So he's already explored a darker character. 
And then, he, you know, in The Impossible when he was a very young child and he was fantastic in that. And that was a very dark or sad movie. And then he was, he's in another movie that I really love as well uh, called How I Live Now. That's a very, very small mm. indie movie that came out ages ago and it stars Serge Ronan. And it's just about people having to live post-apocalypse but it's not it's very like indie and reserved and out of the way and it's not really science fictiony in that way um and he was really great in that he played like the young the younger brother so i've seen him in lots of different ways but i'm really interested to see if he's able to hold a movie on his own yeah i'm I think really that this is an incredible move by Apple TV Plus to pick this up because the one thing that Apple TV Plus needs to do is they need to get access to more content. I mean, from from what I've experienced, their content is great um, from mm. what I've seen. I mean, Wolf Walkers is excellent and I really like the Boy State documentary. We're, we're really excited about Billie Eilish. Like, the problem is they just need more for me to add another streaming service to my budget. They, they just need more and especially like as things... You know, I I have a feeling they extended the free trials, which they were supposed to end, I think, in February. They extended them to, like, April or May or something like that. I have a feeling they extended them because Servant Season 2 is coming out right now. And there's several Season 2s, so I think they're trying to see, did people watch Servant Season 1? And, you know, if they did, how many people are coming back for Season 2? What do our numbers actually look like? And I think pulling, you know, a big... This wouldn't be a blockbuster, but certainly you got big names backing this movie. I don't know that this movie would have made any money in the theaters, but I'm sure a lot more people are going to watch it because it's on Apple Mm. TV+. Plus. Also, it's their chance to have a film that might get nominated across awards. So that would definitely give them a push up. But I think that kind of, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the big problem with Apple and the reason why, you know, I have a free subscription, but I wouldn't pay for it right now. It's because... They only have their original stuff, which is just not big enough of a catalog for me to justify spending money on another streaming service when I'm already paying for so many. So you need stuff that isn't just your originals. Um, You know, if Netflix had only had their originals, I doubt it would be as as insanely big as it is now because you need... Other things that yeah. people can watch because they want to rewatch or movies that they've heard about but haven't checked out yet. You know, you need those filler things while you build up your own catalog and they're just missing that. So they need to start fixing that in some way. <laughs> I agree with you on every point except for Apple TV Plus isn't currently worth yeah, I wouldn't pay for it right now, mm. which is probably a good transition. But just real quick, real quick, mm-hmm. before we move on. We're going to yeah. start, we started up a, a new thing on the show last week with Joe uh, that we're going to be revisiting. So the next time you're on, we're going to revisit the Billie Eilish and Cherry documentary. And we're going to mm-hmm. say, here's what you said. Um, I said matinee for both of these. You said matinee and then opening weekend. Like, did you get around to seeing them? Did it meet your expectations? Like, just, just a real quick, like uh, that. So you've been on twice. And so we've talked about Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Uh, we both said streaming service. I've not seen this. Uh, have you seen this? No. That's uh, that's about what I what I figured. Uh, and for The Witches, the HBO uh, Max one, I said streaming. I have not seen this one yet. And you said you would see this opening night. Have you seen this yet? No, but there's a good reason for it. And the reason is, A, you guys got it on HBO Max, but in Australia, we don't have HBO Max. So anything that gets released on HBO Max for us is just like either the movies or you have to wait for it to be available to rent. Um, oh. So when we finally in Melbourne 
uh, at least where I live in Australia, you know, when it came out to cinemas, all the rest of Australia was able to go out to cinemas when it was in its first release. But here in Melbourne, we were still in lockdown during that time. So by the time I was allowed out to go to the movies, it was starting to do that thing where it was only showing at sessions at like 11 a.m. in the morning or 3 p.m. in the afternoon during the week when I'm working. It's just kind of been, you know, not the best timing overall, but I will get to it eventually. Okay, I'm okay. still excited. I know it doesn't have the best reviews, and I know that people say just watch the original, but I am an Anne Hathaway stan, and I will watch it by the time the next podcast comes around. Okay, that's fine. You, you, I, I, I believe you. I just, uh, I have a feeling a lot of these are going to be no, I haven't watched them. But like, I think it's exciting. I think it's interesting to see. You said opening weekend. I've got to mm-hmm. be there, but haven't checked it out yet. Yo, why? What's the thing that dampened that? Yeah. Or like next time we talk about Cherry, and I'll be like, yeah, I watched it, and I, you know, or like Billy Eilish, I'm like, yeah, I watched it, and gosh, I really didn't need to, or you know, whatever. <laughs> But uh, yeah, should should be just really interesting to just briefly revisit these things. So okay, so we talked about Apple TV Plus. We're gonna transition to our shift topic here. We talk about TV stuff uh, now. Subscriptions that I have, um, I have HBO, Disney Plus, Hulu, Live TV without ads. Gosh, what's the other one I have? No Netflix, obviously, and Prime Video. <laughs> um, but but recently, so I picked up. Uh, I was telling Shane about this last month. I picked up a Apple TV Plus subscription because I had to watch Wolf Walkers and Boys State before the year ended. Uh, and I'm so happy I did, but then like an idiot, I forgot to cancel because it's only a seven day trial. And, but five bucks a month ain't bad. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, there's some things on there I've been wanting to check out. I check out Servant, or I'd check out, uh, you know, I've he- been hearing a lot of great things about Ted Lasso, so I'll, I'll check out some things like that. And then like an idiot, I forgot to cancel it before <laughs> the, the first month. But you know, again, it's just five bucks. And, but then I got an email like the day after it renewed. It's like, hey, we're giving you like until like June free, and it's like, okay, like. That's oh. nice. I think Five bucks just, is definitely you know, worth it. <laughs> I think they're just looping me in with the, everybody's getting a free thing. Like it's only five bucks. Like five bucks yeah. ain't much. There's enough content on there that I am interested. You know, if this was Netflix prices, but it's like five bucks a month ain't nothing. Like that's a, that's a coffee in America. Like you know that that's that's just one less Starbucks trip. So I think I think that's the one advantage, that, and that's the advantage that Apple has is they don't need your money. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Uh, so that's why I, I'm going to disagree with you there. And specifically uh, because of one show, I would pay $5 a month just to have access to this one show for the rest of ever. And it's Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso so, so much. I just yeah. didn't have any idea how much I would love it. We'll get back to Ted Lasso. Remind us how subscription stuff works in Australia. Yeah. I have access to, or I pay for Netflix. The ones you'd recognize would be Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and I have Apple for free. So, because I've got the new iPhone, so I've got a year of that for free. And then what we have in Australia that you guys don't have, it's called Stan, which just has a lot of like NBC stuff and just just a lot of random stuff like Hulu stuff. Um, And then Binge, which has a lot of HBO stuff. It has that's pretty much the main reason you have it is for all the HBO stuff. And so I've got that now. And then for free stuff, we have our free-to-air television. And then we have a couple of, of the free-to-air television. You know, we can just watch everything on the channels as apps. And so certain shows like A Handmaid's Tale, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they are available on there for us, which is oh, really you great. you a sore spot for me because you said Brooklyn Nine-Nine and they announced today that the next season's the last. Oh. And I'm sad now. I didn't know that. You just made me sad. <laughs> Why would you do that to me, Aaron? 
I love you did it to show. me. <laughs> no, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, now I me can't too. focus for the rest of the episode. No. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to be watching it on SBS On Demand because I have it for free, so that's good. So, all right. Have you seen Ted Lasso? No, but I, I, I've been vaguely intrigued, but not enough to add it to my list yet. Okay, this show is so delightful, and it's for one reason, and one reason alone, and that's Jason Sudeikis, and I never thought I would say that Jason Sudeikis is delightful. There's so much about this show that works, and honestly, he's the glue that keeps it all together, and I would be totally interested hearing your perspective, because the the concept for this show is this guy named Ted Lasso, who is you know as American as it gets, he coaches American football at a college, and then turns a horrible team into a great team. And then gets hired by a football club uh, in England, but obviously it's soccer, you know, not mm-hmm. American football, it's football. But, <laughs> you know, and like, I think he knows. I don't think they try to pull that joke. Uh, it's based off of sp- uh, comedies that NBC Sports little skits they did, like little yeah. Saturday Night Live type skits. It's so charming. It's so delightful. The characters are so lovable, but specifically Ted Lasso is so lovable because he's that kind of guy that you're just like, I immediately want every good thing to ha- that could possibly happen to a human <laughs> to happen to Ted Lasso. And it's it's so charming, so captivating. It's really hard to stop watching because Jason Sudeikis is so intoxicating. I want him to win all the Emmys for comedy, drama, all that. And like, there's even some moments where he has some hardcore emotional acting to do and i think he just pulls it off flawlessly but there's a lot of other people in the show that are great i think specifically the the other coach that he goes with is is a great source of comedic relief but it's it's all about ted lasso himself and here's the other thing as soon as i turned on ted lasso i immediately fell in love with it and i was like why do i already immediately love this show and here's why it's created by bill lawrence who is the creator of scrubs and it's like of course (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what happened is because Bill Lawrence has my number. Hit you um, on the spot. It's it's exactly my kind of humor and it's exactly my kind of I want a comedy that every now and then punches me in the gut and makes me cry. <laughs> I want Brooklyn Nine Nine where every now and then you have the Moo Moo episode. I want my comedies to do that. Uh, I want my scrubs to every now and then make me curl into a ball and cry in a corner, right? So, because uh, I. I want subversion and I want depth and gosh, I can't say enough good things about Ted Lasso. I, you, you really need to watch it. I've just added it. I, I've added okay. it to my TV tracker. It's only oh. 10 episodes. They're, they're half an hour each. It did so well. And of course, everybody that I know that has seen this has talked about how amazing it is and how just intoxicating it is. I'm not alone in just starting. Oh, I know. So absolutely. Everyone who I've ever heard talking about it loves it. And so I think that this is just like final straw. Fine. I'll add it. It's not like I don't have enough to watch already, but it's so good. It it. was almost immediately. It was almost immediately renewed for two extra seasons. Gosh, I I just can't say enough good things about Ted Lasso. Uh, Alice, Alice, where do you want to start? What have you been watching uh, just since the uh, since the last time you run? Oh, what haven't I been watching? (laughs) Ted Lasso, apparently. Yeah, well, that, that. But in terms of brand new stuff, I've been catching up on seasons of things that I have been big fa- a big fan of and loving. For example, Star Trek Discovery, His Dark Materials. I finished Room 104, did Chilling uh, Adventures of Sabrina, finished that off, hated the ending. Um, and then, uh, you know, catching up with sort of other stuff. But in terms of brand, brand new stuff I've started... I started and finished the one season now I know of Hellstrom, which is a one of those like Marvel shows that came out, but that it's 
not a Marvel show. So it's oh, not in the yeah. MCU. And it's following two characters that are in the Marvel comics and are part of the superhero oeuvre, but it's not in the MCU in any way, shape or form. And it's basically about two kids whose dad was a serial killer and they have powers that are very like demon-like and they spend their time trying to help uh, exercise demons from people who are possessed. That's kind of like a very, very basic plot. It was okay. It was pretty good. Um, but sounds I'm not, like Marvel's yeah. version of Constantine? Yeah. It's pretty much okay. Marvel's version of Constantine. It was pretty good. It was quite dark, quite gory. I'm not that mad that it didn't get a season two because I think it kind of let itself go a bit too much and it kind of lost some of its more interesting elements. <laughs> so I watched that. Um, I watched The Queen's Gambit along with everyone else in the world and absolutely adored it. Like, I have never been more fascinated by chess and I will never be more fascinated by chess, but everything about it is perfect. Something I did want to talk about actually about a new show that dropped on Netflix, which you might have seen, is called Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun. So never they are they are a sketch comedy group from Australia, from Melbourne, Ooh, my yes. city. This is a show that's actually produced by Ed Helms. Basically, he must have come across their, because they have a YouTube channel, uh, Auntie Donna YouTube channel, and it's really big and they always come and they do comedy shows and that sort of thing. And I've been following them forever. Like, I've seen every single one of their shows. I watch every video as they posted on YouTube and then all of a sudden they had a Netflix series produced by Ed Helms and it's literally like six episodes of like 20-ish minutes each and they're all great it's just the most weird random stuff but it'll make you laugh it's so much fun and because it's only 20 minutes and it's six episodes you can get the whole thing done in like an hour and a half so highly nice. highly recommend if you're into sketch comedy I also started and finished the new show Bridgerton fell in love with it the fact that it's trashy, period. You know, it's Pride and Prejudice, but with a touch of Gossip Girl. You, you got me there for sure. So I'm very interested. <laughs> so much so that I ordered all eight books. And so I'll, I'll be reading the series. And I'm going to have to somehow fit them inside my apartment. And then another thing before I go back to you is that I, I mentioned uh, to you earlier in our pre-show talk that I yesterday started and finished The Undoing. So I finally watched it. <laughs> I was so captivated. I watched the first episode Walking to Work and then all I could think about all day was wanting to get home and finish the show. And so that's what <laughs> I did. And I finished. It was like 11.30 at night and I just kind of sat there for a bit processing it. But I love a good murder mystery and this is that in spades. Why don't you talk a little bit more and then I'll, I'll get back to the rest of my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you've done quite a bit of your list and, uh, yeah. you know, since we did all the things that you keep up on a week-to-week basis, you know, yeah. if we, you can always refer to the last episode and you said you hit up most of the things. Gosh, where do I want to start? I want to start with the things that I feel like I could talk very briefly about. I watched all of one episode of The Sopranos this month um, <laughs> since talking with Shane. And and here's the reason why. Right about the time that I started recording with Shane, hockey season started. And so now I watch the games. I typically watch them on my DVR, like typically right about the time the third period starts because then I can kind of finish right, right about real time. So I can watch a game in an hour and 20 minutes instead of sitting down for three hours. Because you get to skip the 20-minute intermissions, you get to skip the commercial breaks, all that. You know, but it takes up an extra two hours every other day. And, you know, I don't have to watch sports. I don't have to. This is the only sport I do watch, though. Like, I didn't even watch the Super Bowl. Nothing in, about me wanted to watch the Super Bowl. 
uh, but I do love watching watching hockey, and so the more hockey I'm watching, that means the less time I have to do other things. Um, as well as I've mentioned on the show, I'm do, I'm trying to do a PS2 binge just because I'm mm. have some PS2 games. I'm trying to I'm trying to get through them and then go back to to Xbox games. But that's okay. Um, so just all these things lead to less time available to watch some TV. So I only watched one episode of The Sopranos. This show's great still, and I really would like to watch more of it. Also, Batman the Animated Series. I think I only got around to one or two episodes, or a couple episodes. I think me and my wife watched like four this last month, so again, not very much. But uh, our schedules have been very conflicting recently. Um, she's been working a lot of mornings, and I work a lot of nights, so not really an extra time. And we have been watching a lot of movies. You know, we watched all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies in the last week, so. Nice. Let's see. I also want to talk about, so I mentioned The Goes Wrong Show last month with mm-hmm. Shane, because that show made me laugh so very much and uh just this evening me and my wife watched apparently they came out with a christmas special and it is so funny uh it's very hard to find in the u.s but there was a video up on daily motion and i watched it as it was up and i really love the goes wrong show have you seen the goes have you seen it no okay it's available on amazon prime at least in the u.s it's it's really magical uh it's really funny and all that and they they came out with a COVID special on YouTube that's about five oh. minutes long. They did a Zoom goes wrong that's just like two minutes or something like that. And uh, they came out with a nativity special that is just delightful and really funny. Again, my kind of comedy, my kind of mm. humor. I, I really love this. And the special, look, people in the US, like, it's going to be hard to find it for a hot second. But trust me, it's it's worth seeking out. The goes wrong show, the nativity special. <laughs> I feel like maybe I have seen an episode, possible, okay. but I it's, definitely would check it out. It's so good. It's so delightful. It's it's wonderful. I also want to briefly mention, I watched the Pixar popcorn shorts. They're, they're okay. It takes about, like I think, 15 minutes to watch all of them. Like That's fine. I, I'm not going to say I wasted 15 minutes, but I'm also not really going to say, like you really need to seek these out. I, I found them delightful but some of them were really like i didn't like them at all i think my wife felt the same way i think our favorite parts of them were every time they do the pixar uh, intro with the lamp every single time it's different and it's creative it's just a joy but the thing that uh, that Aaron Dicer pointed out recently, I think on Behind the Sins, that is worth noting, is that you can watch 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, but there is a kind of special bonus 11th episode, which is just all of them cut together. If, if you're watching that at Disney+, Plus, just go to the bottom. There is a lot worse ways to spend 15 minutes of your time. Let's see. And I want to mention We Are the Champions because I started watching that. I watched the first three episodes, and this is such a fun show. Uh, me and my wife watched the dog dancing episode and the frog jumping episode, and I never thought that either of those two things would be so fascinating. Still, the best episode is the chili eating, but the frog jumping and the cheese roll are both still incredible. Really love that show. On You can find We Are the Champions on Netflix, a documentary narrated by Rain Wilson about just really random competitions that certain subcultures have and it's it's interesting it's sportive and the thing that surprises me the most is it always winds up being meaningful meaningful by the end that's that's just a surprise oh and oh, the yo-yo yeah, I've episode seen really one of these too. i've seen one of these that's right just just skip the fashion one the fashion one is terrible okay the hairstyle hairstyling one <laughs> the, the rest of them one? are the rest of them are really good and i want to use this next one as a transition to mm-hmm. all right so i started watching snl a little bit I don't know why I did. I think it was mostly like I was watching a clip, the Dear Sister clip. <laughs> Gosh, that's one of the funniest things ever. The digital and shorts, I was thinking, man. The digital shorts. Every time I'm having a bad day, I'll just 
go and I can just, I'll start at the start from the lettuce one and just go through until the final one they did. And the biggest sadness to me of SNL is that they don't have digital shorts anymore because Lonely Island have left. And it's just, they were the best mm. part of it by far. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is when I saw that, I was like, all right, this cast is too good to not be good SNL because you have Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, who are two of my favorite comedy people working in, in Hollywood. Kristen Wiig is, is right about the time of her. Uh, Amy Poehler was still a part of it. Tina Fey had left by this point. Uh, Fred uh, Armisen yep. is part of the cast here. Uh, Keenan Thompson, of course. Uh, Jason Rudolph. Sudeikis. This is some of the funniest people I've ever seen on television. How on earth is this show still unwatchable? So I, I started watching the 2005 <laughs> episodes. It's so terrible. I really hate it. Uh, so the first episode I watched was hosted by uh, Steve Carell, I think. Oh, it, it's so bad. Like even even I was watching them on Hulu and they're even like 17 minutes long because I think anything that has like music in it, like they can't show. Oh. Like from that era because of streaming rights. Like I know that you can see pretty much everything now, but I was just like, gosh, this is terrible. It's so bad. I don't know how you make Andy Samberg unfunny, but this show did it. And I realized my history with SNL has been if a skit is good, people will share it on Facebook. So like yeah. the undercover boss, Kylo Ren. <laughs> if a skit is good, good people one. will share it and I will watch it. But I, I got like, I think three or four episodes in Lance Armstrong hosted one. He was terrible. You have SNL on your list. Tell me about your experience while I find out some of these other stories. <laughs> So I started watching SNL years ago, and I mean, I think I was maybe 16 or 17 when I first started, I found out what it was. For reference, I'm 26 now, so it's been 10 years now, and I pretty much caught up with the entirety of that cast you were talking about, so maybe back from 2005, I caught up on that entire back catalogue that I could get access to, obviously. There are some episodes that you're just never going to find. And then I have been watching it every single week since then. It's weird because I agree with you. There are definitely, like, I don't find myself laughing so hard I'm crying or even just laughing that hard in most episodes, but I'm still watching it every single week. Like, I just recently watched the Dan Levy episode. I obviously get very excited when it's someone that I'm really keen on that I know is going to do a good job. For, For example, anytime any of the cast you just mentioned come back to host, I'm very keen yeah. for that. Dan Levy, I love him from Schitt's Creek. Yeah, very keen for that. John Krasinski, love him from The Office. Keen for that. Any John Mulaney episode, he's my favorite comedian of all right, time. I was like, anytime Mulaney is involved in anything, yeah. I'm here for it. Any John but. Mulaney episode. Like, he's my favorite comedian of all time. If he ever came to Australia, I'd be front row. I'd probably go, like, three times. Yeah. He's the only... One, like, one of my favorite, yeah. like, openings ever was Andy Samberg came back to host. Yeah. And they had an impression off with Bill Hader. And, like, yeah. that was incredible. Yeah, the impressions are great, like, and there are definitely gems here and there, but I do get what you mean where it's like, I don't know, there, there is sometimes something that it's just, you can get through an entire episode and not even laugh once, and it's yeah. like they're trying really hard, and you're just, you just feel really bad for them, especially in the weekend update segments. I do feel that that cast you mentioned, that was the episodes where I was enjoying them the most. When that cast was there, Jason Sudeikis, they had such great characters and I loved seeing them revisit them over and over again I'm just thinking about you know there was a really random episode I don't even remember who was hosting but it's the one where Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig are playing these like showgirls for a quiz show and Bill Hader's hosting and then they just chaos ensues and they're 
they start cracking and it's just so funny. And I just, I don't feel like they've quite found that magic since then with the new cast. I think the closest they'll get is when Kate McKinnon is involved and maybe yeah, A.D. Yeah. Bryant. They're the funniest cast members in my opinion. Oh, and I like um, Pete Davidson. Okay. I think he's, he, I think he's fine. He's okay. I, I like his like weekend update segments. I, re- I, I think that's where yeah. he kind of shines the most. So it's just kind of yeah, like, yeah. Th- I'm thinking back to this era when I was introduced to SNL, when they were all in there. Now they're literally, as you said, they're all huge stars. Like it's insane. And now going to what it is now, I'm always like, oh, I kind of miss that. You know, so well. That's- so that's the thing is like, if you watch a modern episode, there's 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 undoubtedly some talent in there, mm. especially with Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson are to me the stand. Keenan Thompson are all three the yeah, standouts. Keenan but Thompson. in twenty years, they will not be Bill Hader, Maya Rudolph, Andy Samberg, <laughs> Amy Poehler, Fred Armisen, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. Like they will, they will just not. J- Jason Sudeikis, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. They will not be anywhere near. The level SNL has always done a great job of getting the funniest people. You know, this how Belushi got to start, and Aykroyd got to start, and Bill Murray got to got to start. Chevy Chase got. Uh, Chevy, you know, <laughs> you know, this is how so many incredibly famous, incredibly funny actors and actresses got their starts at, or or got their their big break. And, um, Eddie Murphy. And, Exactly. Adam, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell. Mm. Like, there's there's a million different examples of people who hit it big because of SNL. Gosh, I, I think that this is really the golden cast, yeah. but somehow this show just wasn't funny. So I, I found it on Hulu. So Steve Carell did the first one, and that was the most enjoyable one. I watched five. Because then there was the John Heater one, and that one was terrible. He was awful, even in the skits. And then Catherine Zeta-Jones, which, why? Yeah. <laughs> why I mean, Catherine to be Zeta-Jones fair, to... exactly what you're saying, a lot of it depends on the host. Like, yes, the cast is yes. there, but if the host, A, just don't let themselves go with it. Like, I really enjoy watching Ryan Gosling when he hosts, because he just, he just goes for it. Like, he just lets himself go. Ryan Reynolds, when he hosts, is the same. Like, I love watching people when they, they just go for it. They just let themselves be given the most ridiculous roles. They just, you know, they really try, and that's when you enjoy it as well. But when you mention like John Heater and Catherine Zeta Jones, the people that are there more for the like I almost want to say for the publicity aspect, you know, the, if the host isn't going for it, then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then the Lance Armstrong episode was just terrible and Jason <laughs> Lee episode like, oh just, yeah. I, I I decided to stop because I'm like, it's just not worth it. Gosh, I, I really want to like SNL, but I just don't. <laughs> but I was like, all right, well I'll still maybe just try to keep up on the new stuff. And it's an hour and a half now. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. It's a long show. And uh, so so I did watch the Krasinski episode, and I, I really like John Krasinski as a person. I really like him as an actor. I thought his monologue was okay. Uh, the I mean, I, I didn't really love it because I'm not, like, the biggest fan of The Office, although I do mm. get how, like, everybody's just like, now, do, like, do Jim from The Office. Where's Pam? Like, yeah. I found the kiss with Pete Davidson to be very forced. I think the, yeah. the monologue was a bit lazy, like TBH. Yeah. I personally it would have been funnier for me if they did a quiet place callback. Like that could have been a whole I, funny thing. My my guess is that John Krasinski did not write that monologue, but no. the SNL writers wrote it for him. But like you can been... tell, like when John Mulaney comes, he writes his own stuff. Oh. And you can tell who comes and brings their own stuff versus who comes and reads from a script. Exactly. And, and that's um... why I get excited when it's like past cast members, especially because you know yes. that they know what they're doing and they have yes. the talent to do this sort of show. Because that's also part of it is it's there's a talent to the live aspect of it. I'm not going to watch them anymore. I can't do it. 
Um, <laughs> but like, it's that weird juxtaposition of like, I don't want it to go away mm-hmm. because I don't think Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, any of them would be anywhere near as popular if Saturday Night Live wasn't around. Mm. I just needed to say, what a terrible show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's a legacy show. It's definitely like if it came out now, it wouldn't last, you know, what, 48 seasons. <laughs> and I mean, unless it was good quality comedy. Yeah. And as it stands, it's just not. <laughs> and, and I know people have been bagging on it because the last like five years of the show has just been Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump. Well, they have definitely leaned on that, which is why when it, um, right. when Trump was voted out, I was like, oh, like that's half of SNL's episode. It's gone. <laughs> well, Alice, let's talk about something I love. Okay. Let's talk about WandaVision. Yes. Very, very spoiler free. Let's talk about WandaVision. Yeah. Yep. I love the show. <laughs> me too. So much. So the new episode for me comes out in approximately five hours. I am so excited. This is definitely a show where at first I was intrigued, but now it's like I'm desperate for the new one to come out. As soon as I finish the old one. Yeah, so the last episode as we're recording this is the, the episode where, let's just say there's a guest appearance at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's it's episode five. So episode six is about to drop. So if you're listening to this on the day that it dropped, you've already seen the episode that we have it, and I'm jealous of you. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, think, uh, I think the first two episodes of the show were very charming and interesting, but I was also like, I almost don't really care mm. about the other stuff that's going on. I'm just enjoying seeing these two in this sitcom world. Mm. I honestly couldn't care if this show had no lasting impact on anything. If this never tried to take itself seriously, if this was just a era sitcom comedy, I'm like, I'm still, I'm just here for it. Uh, but then with episode three, it starts to do some really interesting things with the everything. And episode four is just incredible. Adds a lot of revelations. And uh, I mean, I love Randall Park and bringing him back was just a delight. And then episode five, I think it was a step down to me. I'm still very intrigued to see where are these last four episodes going to go? What are they going to address? What styles are they going for? Mm. Um, I know the episode that we have tomorrow is uh, supposed to be, they have like Halloween costumes. And so we're going to see the original Scarlet Witch costume. Like I'm very excited for that. I want to know where the show's going to go, especially because I feel like they have a lot of questions that they've raised that I need answers to Mm -hmm. that. They only have four 30 minute episodes to do it, but I think they're still intent on having their TV show thing. So I, I, I think I'm going to be mad when the series ends and <laughs> oh, no. and there's no way for for us to get any closure until whatever movie comes out. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the times of each episode, you know, the last episode was 41 minutes long. I mean, they have like insanely sure. long credits, I have to say. Uh, the first yeah, time it yeah. was, you know, it ended and then I looked at my Disney Plus and it still had six or seven minutes left in the episode and I was like, oh, it must be like two minutes. It's because they have all the international. Yeah, but I was just, whatever. I was just yeah. kind of like, okay, that's way too long for an episode of television because then I waited and there was no after credit scene in that case because, you know, it's Marvel, so it could happen. Yeah, hot tip if you haven't seen WandaVision yet. As soon as the credits roll, just just go to the next one. Nothing news coming. So no I think for, I think for the finale there will be something. probably probably just a guess. But for for now, up until up until episode five, not worth it. Like so, yeah. The fact that episode five was longer makes me think that maybe you know as things let's just say start to integrate more, I yes. think that they'll get longer and longer in order to get through the story. And I I appreciate the fact that it's exactly the same with Mandalorian where every episode's as long as it needs to be to tell the story that needs to be told in that episode, which is something that I love about The Mandalorian. You know, sometimes you'll get a 32-minute episode, sometimes it'll be an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm there 
because I'm, I'm happy for you to tell the story in the time it needs to tell so it's not rushed and then it's also not like spread out because you have this arbitrary 45 minute number to stick to. Yes. So that's why I'm like, maybe, you know, it's just going to get longer or, you know, we'll see how it kind of goes there. Kind of along with you, I absolutely agree with the sitcom aspect. I grew up watching Bewitched. My mum and I were have every single episode on DVD. So having that kind of be adhered to in the first couple episodes, that that fun little tone was definitely on my wavelength. I was very keen for that. And then seeing the progression of sitcoms, you know, as we've gone through the, the episodes has been really fun to watch and the different styles and the way things change. I'm very intrigued. Like I'm just I know what you said about possibly being angry. I'm really hoping we're not because at the moment, you know, I started off being like, yeah, I like it. And now I'm, as I said already, so excited. I can't wait for this new episode to drop because I have no idea where it's going to go. And that's what excites me as well because I have absolutely no clue. I'm I'm 100% there with you. I think that's about all Mm -hmm. that I want to say about WandaVision because it's still going and spoilers and all that. Although uh, I'm very excited because when the show's over, I'll be interviewing for the show um, a storyboard artist for the show, Jeremy Simser, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. That got pushed back to just he's not allowed to do podcasts (laughs) until after, which makes sense. I want to talk about Clone Wars because I've been Mm -hmm. talking about this since it started. I finally finished Clone Wars. I finally did it. It's partly because the last two seasons are A, so good, and B, pretty short. So I was in the middle of season five last time we recorded, and I finished. I watched all of season seven, I think in two days. I think all I have to say about the two and a half seasons that I watched is uh, I am so excited for the Bad Batch spinoff because those four episodes were pure delight. Have you seen The Clone Wars? No. Oh, okay. They're, the first four episodes of the last season are about, follow these clones that like have defects, but they like embrace their defects, and so they call themselves the Bad Batch. They're awesome. They're amazing. I love them. <laughs> They're getting a new spinoff animated series on Disney Plus mm. coming soon. I'm so excited for it. I'm going to be watching it for sure. And then there was four Ahsoka episodes. By the way, those episodes are just terrible. <laughs> I, I know they're not very highly rated on IMDb, but gosh, they're bad. They're really bad. But then they're followed up by four pretty incredible episodes. Now, each of these four episodes has like a 9.8 or a 9.9 on IMDb. I am not over the moon about these episodes. I think they're really good. I think the finale is just incredible. I'm not on the hype train as high as everybody else's. I know that some people, it's very much like these are maybe the four best episodes in animated history. And I'm like, no, like I, I really liked them, but to me, they were not the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Yeah, they weren't Aussie Mandis so, uh, and Breaking Bad, because I know that one's rated like that high, I guess. Yeah, well, and like, I know like, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's even some surprises in there. Like, I'm pretty sure like, an episode of Barry season two, mm. the one with the with the little girl, is rated like nine point eight or something like that. Like oh, this, this is no like yeah, right? Like, um, you know, this is no uh, the Rick and Morty, the Vat of a- Vat of Acid episode. Like, I really loved that one. Uh, or uh, Watchmen, uh, a God walks into a bar. Like, these are not like those caliber episodes. But yeah, like, sure, animation. But like, also like I could be, having watched some of Batman the animated series. Like, no, like Christmas with the Joker was a classic and. Almost Got Him is an all-timer for me. You know, the Mr. Free stuff is just just perfect. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like a downer. I'm, I really liked the ending to the show. I thought it was very good. I just, to me, these were not 9.8, 9.9 mm. 
um, they were really good. They just weren't perfection. And I want to just briefly mention uh, Atlanta's Lost and Missing. I've been watching that kind of off and on as I go to the gym. And uh, I finally watched the finale. It's a five-part docuseries. It's really good. I would recommend it. This is far from my favorite docuseries because if this were a great docu, like if this were a really, truly excellent docuseries, I wouldn't wait till the next time I go to the gym. I'd watch one episode of the gym, come home and binge the rest yeah. of it. Uh, but this is really good. This is a story that's worth telling. Very fascinating. Like I said, I love true crime stuff. It ended in a way that I appreciated it being five parts instead of like eight or nine parts, but also maybe it could have been two or three parts. So I'm going to I'm gonna turn it back over to you. So in terms of what else I've been watching, as I mentioned, finished Mandalorian, uh, most recent season, could not be more over the moon about it, could not be more excited for the new season when it eventually comes out, whenever it eventually will. Especially for a show <laughs> that I was like, Eh, on when I before it started like it's the it's the only episode that both me and my partner have to watch the day it comes out we you know turn off all the lights it's like an event in our house I loved it I'm so happy it, it stayed up to par in quality too because that's always a bit of a worry with the season two in terms of what I've recently finished as well with seasons, I recently finished the new season of A Discovery of Witches. I really enjoyed it. Um, I recently finished David Tennant and Michael Sheen did this show, this like lockdown fun little eight part, 15 minute episode show called Staged, where it was them trying to stage a play while in lockdown for when they got out of lockdown. And it would just be them on Zoom with each other and just like talking about their life. And they were playing each other, but at a heightened reality. Apparently it was so successful that they made a season two. And season two was even funnier than season one. I absolutely loved it. So what's really funny is it got even more meta. So season one exists in the season two, but as a show they made. And so season two is about how America wants to make like a staged and it's about basically how immediately you find out they think they're going to reprise their roles but then it turns out the American production company that's picked it up wants to recast them and so the whole show is about them trying to like sabotage it so that they get to play themselves because it's like other actors being brought on to pay, play David Tennant and Michael Sheen because the American audience won't care about them enough. And it's just so funny. And the guest stars, like there's huge guest stars. you got like Ewan McGregor, Josh Gad, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Kate Blanchett, just like randomly popping up out of nowhere. Whoopi Goldberg's <laughs> in it as well. It's so, so good. If you can find it, you have to watch it. Like it's available on Hulu. Okay, well, it would be because it's like it came out as a silly little project on BBC and then it just perfectly spoke to what it means to be in lockdown, but then also had this like fun celebrity aspect to it. Um, and then the other thing I recently finished was uh, Netflix released this show called Fate the Winks Saga. As a kid, you know, there's that cartoon called The Winks Club, which is like about these fairies and it was really really big you'd probably recognize it if you saw like a picture of the cartoon but what they've done now is they've made like a gritty version of it that's live action um and it's actually really good like i went in going this is going to be trash but it's magic so i'll watch it and something good. else i wanted to talk about so things that i'm watching that are still currently going so they haven't finished yet so i'm currently making my way through the most recent season of disenchantment um, which I really enjoy. I really enjoyed season one too. It's a bit of fun, you know, Matt Groening and Simpsons and that sort of Futurama. Yeah, yeah. So love that. Death in Paradise, it's a British like whodunit, but it's set on like this Jamaican island and it's up to season Ooh. 10. It's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, it has like the, the detective always changes and they always, but it's always the same premise. And then American Gods came back, which like 
low key, I thought that would have been cancelled. So then when I imagine my surprise <laughs> when I'm on Amazon Prime one day and there's a new episode and I was like, wait, what? And I read the books, like I was a fan of them, so very uh-huh. keen. I mean, it's exactly like seasons one and two. It's very slow. It's very like artistic. But if you okay. like the Neil Gaiman books, then you'd probably like this as well. Um, watching Riverdale, hot trash, but you know, I've, I've committed this far. Oh, yeah. I've committed this far to five seasons. I might as well finish it. <laughs> and the new Snowpiercer also dropped, so I've been watching those episodes as they came along. And the new cast member is Sean Bean, who has been fantastic so far absolutely loving him as an addition to the cast but the show i'm really really excited to talk about and the reason i'm going to end it on this one in terms of my like you know what i've been watching since then so there's this new show that's dropped on sci-fi it's called resident alien i happened upon it like completely randomly i hadn't heard of it anywhere i had no idea that it was coming out and then i think i was just on facebook and someone in one of the movie groups i'm in talked about it and it stars Alan Tudyk, um, and he basically plays this alien who crash lands on Earth, and he has to adapt to living in this quiet old country, like quiet country town in the middle of you know nowhere. Um, I think it's like North Carolina or somewhere that's really really cold and in the middle of nowhere. And he has to adapt to life and blend in with the humans so that he can finish his mission like find his ship and finish his mission. But it's like a black comedy because he's basically playing an alien who hates humans, thinks they're the dumbest things in the world, literally thinks that we're dumber than lizards, but he's having to like pretend to be one. And what's more, he's pretending to be a doctor. So he has to pretend to be a doctor in this quiet, sleepy town and like help out the humans. But it's just watching him have to be an alien pretending to be a human. Like, they could not have cast someone better than Alan Tudyk. He is fantastic. And the show is just so magnetic, and I'm loving it so much. This is one that I actually added on my queue because yeah. it was on, like, Hulu Spotlight, like, recommended for yeah. the page, the, like, the day after it premiered. And I was like, this sounds like a concept I could really get behind. Yeah. Uh, actually, like, I think I intended on watching an episode or two before we recorded just to kind of see mm. but i haven't thought about it in two weeks so yeah. i'm really happy you brought that back up i'm very excited to check this one out definitely i think it's just so. it's just a good show and it's perfect for right now um highly recommend um okay i only have uh two of these will be incredibly quick and mm-hmm. then two other things uh one is uh i've been watching more impractical jokers on hbo max just kind of any any time it's on i i only wanted to mention it again because i really 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 love the way that it is on hbo max it's edited to where it's not that, you know, like, uh, I think Impractical Joker's really bad at this. I think most Food Network shows are really bad at this. They're really bad about, like, finding a high tension point mm. and then pausing. <laughs> and then when the show comes back, they have to spend, like, 30 seconds rebuilding where they left off. And that just doesn't translate to streaming well. So Impractical Jokers is very seamless, very... And honestly, it cuts, like five minutes out of each episode so definitely this is the preferred way to watch it gosh i'm so happy it's available in that format i've also been watching the mighty ducks animated series (laughs) (laughs) because after i finished starting after i finished watching star wars clone wars i was like all right i want another like half hour show that i can watch you know every now and then and uh like just by myself but i didn't want to go right into rebels because i'm like let me get out of star wars for a hot second like there is no reason to watch this show except for nostalgia if you don't have nostalgia for the Mighty Ducks animated series, you should not watch it. But if you have nostalgia, like 
it's a trip. And then I watched the Euphoria special um, part two. This follows Hunter. I know Hunter's the actress's name. She actually got a writing credit on this episode, Jules. which I Jules. Yes, Jules. Uh, I'm totally here for Hunter Schaefer being a part of more screenplays in Euphoria and just in general other things. I, I really, really, really liked this. Um, I don't think it's better than the first special, the the Rue special, Her in the Diner. But that is not to say this is less than really good. Uh, it, to me, it's just not as captivating, but that's fine. It's still really good, still really excellent. If you're watching Euphoria at all, it, it's definitely one to check out. And gosh, there's some really excellent acting and writing done here. Uh, and I only have one more. And Alice, this is the one that I alluded to before we started recording because we were talking about Randall Park. And I mentioned that I saw a very young Randall Park in his third ever filmography credit because I just very recently have been revisiting the TV show Las Vegas, which I told you about because uh, when yes. you were on talking about TV, I had a rant <laughs> that this show is not available to stream or to buy on like Vudu or iTunes or anything. And it really pissed me off. <laughs> and the only way you can do it is to buy the DVDs, but they don't make them anymore, of course. So demand is kind of high, which means you know, and, and supply mm -hmm. is very low, which means they're pretty expensive to get a hold of. I managed to find a copy. Um, so they're technically region four, which is Australia. Hey. But they're apparently like the box is region four, but they're actually technically like region free. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know how exactly it works, but <laughs> it works. It's just when I play it, my Xbox, like I, I had to tinker with a couple of things. Uh, it worked. It plays in my laptop. Totally fine. Right? But anyway, I just bought the DVDs because I just have been wanting to watch this. I finally caved and bought a pack and I'm watching it now. And gosh, is there are some things about it that have changed since the pilot that I'm really happy. Like for instance, the pilot starts off with following our main character and he does a lot of like narration mm -hmm. in his head. And that is just out by episode four. And I never remembered that. Uh, and the show is better with uh, without it. There's just lots lots of things. Gosh, this is a trip down memory lane, and I I don't know. It's just got a warm fuzzy <laughs> feeling to me. I the the show follows um, security at a high end casino in well, not high end casino like a security at a large casino on the Las Vegas Strip, um, and kind of all the working pieces. So it's it's an interesting like look at how the business is run. You get to find out about you know the security team itself, but as well as you know the valet. And their system and uh, the nightclub in the casino and the restaurant in the casino and casino hosts. And like, it's just, it's just really interesting. Plus you, you put people in high pressure environments. You really see what they're made of. I, this show had the misfortune of being canceled during the writer strike. Yeah. And it left on the, a huge cliffhanger and I'm, I'm dreading getting there, but I'm in, I'm really having a good time getting up to there. I'm glad it's you finally got your hands on it. Me. That was a real Thanks. pained plea originally, back back when you originally asked for it. So it's good that you finally found it. <laughs> it's released on DVD, so it's terrible quality in 2021. But I'm also watching the Mighty Ducks animated series, so I think I'm okay. Excited to keep watching that. Um, the only notable add to my queue, um, besides, because uh, I did add Resident Alien, the only notable add I have is actually premiered tonight mm. is Clarice. Yes, it's uh, on my queue too. 
Okay, this is yeah, this is a this is a Silence of the Lambs of the Lambs sequel. Um, I don't think it's based off of any like I don't think that's any other canon except for Silence of the Lambs. Like I don't think if they're doing Red Dragon or Hannibal or any other yeah Hannibal Rising or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think believe it's literally it's, just it's meant to pick up after the Silence of the Lambs movie, which is fun because that's yeah. the only one I've seen. <laughs> right, same. I do need to rewatch Silence of the Lambs before going to it, but I I did push on, put it on Hulu and have it record because. Because it airs on CBS and I don't pay for CBS All Access. Like, if I record it off of CBS, then I know I'll for sure have it. But yeah. uh, I will hope to check it out at some point soon. But that is that is an add to my queue for me tonight. What about you? Add anything extra recently? Uh, yeah, so that's on my queue. I have a few shows that, like, the new season's come out, but I just haven't gotten around to it for one reason or another. For example, the new season of The Crown and the new season of Afterlife, which are both on Netflix, but it's just, like, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. Um, and then there are a couple that I'm waiting for them to finally be available in Australia, which sometimes always take like eight or nine months after it ev- eventually premieres in America. So The Good Doctor's new season um, and Outlander's new season, like normally they end up coming out almost a year later. So I just have to kind of wait for them. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of new stuff to my queue, I really want to watch Firefly Lane, which recently dropped on Netflix I'm always up for a heartwarming story. Truth Seekers, which is a show starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost about ghost hunters on Amazon Prime. I've been wanting to watch that and I will eventually get to it. And then as well with that, The Stand, which is the Stephen, the show based on the Stephen King novel, but I'm waiting till I've read the novel to watch the show. Mm. Uh, but the novel's like, 1500 pages so I might be waiting for a yeah. while um and then in terms of stuff that's ju- like just about to come out behind her eyes is a thriller that's based on a book that I read and I'm really excited to watch the show it comes out next week and young rock the show based on Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> that gives me like very everybody hates Chris sort of vibes <laughs> it looks really fun yeah. like I just feel like it's the same reason I was kind of interested in Billie Eilish where it's like I've heard lots of stories and random stuff about the rock and his life growing up so I'm really interested to see what the show's like I think it could be a really good comedy with those heartfelt moments that you were talking about um, so I'm really keen for that and I, I actually just really like the rock like I just he's a guy that's I love watching him succeed so I'm kind of like yeah yep I watch a show about your life sure um, and then I will eventually get to succession eventually i'll do it it's on my list i'm not gonna pressure you That's i haven't fine. got watch no it. you don't even need to pressure me it's i have a friend of mine and he has been for over a year now being like why have you not watched succession yet and i'm just like i don't know i don't have an answer for you somebody texted me today and asked me if i watch big sky and i'm like <laughs> i I'm like, no. He's like, he's like, I'm thinking about starting Big Sky. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen it. He's like, but you're the TV guy. Like, you're like, but like, I don't have time to watch everything. <laughs> there has to be a line. <laughs> Eventually something right. drops off. And unfortunately, Succession's that one that just keeps getting pushed and getting pushed and getting pushed. Alice, what's your hot take? Okay. I am sick of first seasons of brand new TV shows ending up on a cliffhanger. I am sick of it. It happens way too many times, and it specifically happens way too many times to TV shows that end up getting cancelled, so that you'll Mm -hmm. never know what's meant to happen there. You cannot play with that fire. I'm I'm sending out a message to every showrunner to ever make a show from now on. Unless your show has gotten renewed like before it releases, which almost never happens, you do not have the right to end the show on a cliffhanger because (laughs) I'm just going to be in pain 
And it has been happening from, I remember I watched way back in the day, there was this show called um, like a, a normal family. And it was just about like mm-hmm. these people that ended up developing superpowers and then had to kind of like deal with it. And they were just yeah. family. And that ended on a huge cliffhanger and it got canceled after season one. And I'm still mad about it. And it's still happening today. <laughs> so like Hellstrom ended on a big cliffhanger. And, you know, this show I really loved, uh, Teenage Bounty Hunters. I love that show. That ended on a massive cliffhanger. You better not leave out Firefly. Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, that got a movie, so, you know, like, at least we got a movie there. Yeah. But, like, but still. at the time, I would have been mad. If I didn't know that there was yeah. a movie, I would have been very mad. And so, I'm just so sick of shows ending on on cliffhangers, as if that's going to guarantee them a second season. Because we know by now that it will not, and it needs to stop happening. Wrap up your story. If you get a season two, then you can end that one on a cliffhanger for all I care. But you need to give me at least one season that's whole. I might even one up your hot take and just say I'm done with cliffhangers in mid season, like uh, as yeah. season bookends anyway. Yeah. Regardless whether it's season one or season seven or eight or whatever, like I'm kind of over like season ending cliffhangers. But for, well, first of all, I need to remember and be, remember being in that moment. <laughs> yeah. Before coming back and like I don't have you know I'm watching so many things and I don't have the time anyway. But also like just tell your story, just wrap mm-hmm. it up. Uh, let let your season stand alone and like you don't need a cliffhanger and like especially with the way the tv series is going recently like when there are year gaps yeah between in the middle of seasons I mean, like game of thrones had like right like i mean year is pretty typical but i mean like the game of thrones season six to seven and seven to eight yeah were incredibly long. to me westworld is like that i mean like westworld i think has done a good job of each season is its own story but yeah. there's still always a okay, but we're teasing what's coming next. Or, like, there's still a lot... Like, this is clearly yeah. not bookended. Well, see, that's, that's um, what I mean. Like, it's fine if you want to tease something that's, like, interesting. Yeah. But I don't want it ending on, like, this person's about to die. And then you'll never find out if they died or they lived or yeah. what happened. Or, like, an insanely ma- huge reveal. And then it's just like, oh, and that's gone forever now. And it's just... I mean, I no. agree with you. I don't think any TV season should end on a cliffhanger. But if I have to pick my battles, at least have a first season. If you're a brand new show, you got to at least have a first season end as a whole story. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> uh, my hot take is that I think that streaming services, specifically I'm, I'm calling out Hulu, that have different tiers need to prioritize the highest paying tiers. Mm-hmm. And specifically what I'm thinking about is when I was watching Future Man on Hulu, there was very clear cut to black transitions like you would on the TV. Yeah. But Future Man is a Hulu original, meaning they made it for the streaming service. But me, who spends the extra money to not have to view ads, still has to have my program interrupted. This should work seamlessly for the highest paying tier. If you want to stick at your $6 a month tier with ads, fine. Then have the worst experience. (laughs) But I pay for ad, uh, but I pay to get rid of ads partly because ads are terrible, especially on Hulu because they just rerun the same three over yeah. and over again. But also, like I want that smooth experience. And while it's not always a smooth transition, you know, when I watch This Is Us on, but like NBC aired This Is Us, and Hulu is airing what NBC aired. Original shows should not be prioritized by the lowest paying tier. And I'm like, I'm if Hulu is giving you the option to upgrade. And I upgrade, I should have the better experience yeah. than the the base. And like it's it this is capitalism. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and I'm not, I'm like, I'm not changing, but like, that is a big reason why I just, it was hard for me to get into Future Man. I don't care when it's NBC, you know, like, This Is Us, because again, Hulu didn't create that. But like, it would be like if Netflix, which doesn't have ads at all, at least in in the content, if it would be like if Netflix all of a sudden started dropping blank, really odd transitions in the middle of the, you'd be mad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one I've been sitting on for for a while, but I kept on pushing it back. No, I, um, yeah, I agree. I don't, I mean, we don't have Hulu, but I get really, really mad when streaming services have ads because it's like, I'm paying to not have ads and you keep yeah. chucking them at me. Like, why? Well, why am I paying for you then? Yeah, I'm specifically thinking yeah. about like, even like when I was watching Future Man, there were no ads, but there was a break as if there were going to be. It'd be like if in the middle of an episode of a Mandal- of The Mandalorian, yeah. when it reaches kind of a climax, if there's just it a black screen black. for three seconds. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on to the B plot. Yes. Uh, uh, we we will do this quickly because we've talked for quite a bit about TV, and I'm not mad about it all. But we'll do this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I so. figured it would be fun. Uh, we will do our top five Hollywood movies set or filmed in Australia. I thought that would be fun mm-hmm. um, since you are Australian native. <laughs> we are going to do this the same way that uh, Sif Pop Weekly does it. So we're going to do bump rules. Um, so start at five and if I have it higher, I'll bump it, you know, and whatnot. And then we'll give some honorable mentions after that. I do, like I said, I do want to go through this relatively, relatively quickly though, but you can give yeah. a defense. Alice, you can start. Okay. And What's I, your number five? I will say that I may have played with the Hollywood term a little bit. And I thought it would be kind of fun just to include some movies that we've like Australia has made. That's really, really good, but not necessarily Hollywood movies. It's only a couple, sure. but they're ones that are worth pointing up sure my number five is finding nemo bump okay what's your number five my number five is and this surprised me but as i thought about it more independence day i'm pretty sure the aliens also land like it's not just america i'm pretty sure there's and it might even just be like a brief shot of australia so apparently independence day is either slightly shot or filmed in australia so (laughs) it counts i pick australia independence day this is dumb fun yeah I do agree with that. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is Moulin Rouge. Okay. No? Okay. So, yeah, I, I really, really love this movie. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann, who is an Australian director. Uh, stars Nicole Kidman, who is an Australian actor, and also has a bunch of other Australian people in it. For example, Kylie Minogue is in it, and you know she's huge and whatever, just for two seconds, mm-hmm. but she's in it. Um, I love a good musical, and I especially love this musical, and I happened to watch it at a time where I was particularly... I don't want to say obsessed, but really into Ewan McGregor. So I watched it quite a lot. I just really love it. Yeah, this is one that I've not seen. Oh. But I don't really know that I intend on it, but you're gonna you're gonna be mad if I say that. <laughs> it's okay. My number four is The Road Warrior. No, that's not on my list at all. Okay. <laughs> This is uh, this is Mad Max Two, yep. the Road Warrior. Gosh, this is uh, this is just this is a lot of fun. I don't really like the first Mad Max a lot, but uh, I, I really like the Road Warrior. It's 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 a very similar plot as uh, Fury Road. I, I think I've only seen it the once, but I had a really good time with it. It's a good movie. Okay, so my number three is a movie. This is one of the movies that I said is kind of like teetering on that Hollywood edge a little bit. So it is called Holding the Man. It's an Australian movie that came out a few years ago. It is based on a book, a Penguin Classics sort of book, uh, that was written, and it's a true story, but it was basically, it's about these two kid guys that meet in high school and they fall in love, and then they have to deal with their relationship as well as 
they are falling in love around when the AIDS pandemic started becoming a thing and being known set in the 80s, I think, in Australia, in Melbourne. And it is just the most heartwarming love story. These two, the two actors are so magnetic. The story is just, it's just about two people that fall in love and then all the trials and tribulations around it. But it's just so true. And I like, I devoured this book when I read it. I cried like a little baby and the movie made me cry <laughs> even harder. Like I was just a sobbing mess. I was in the theater and I was just like, oh my God, it's so sad. Um, but if you're in the mood for a romance drama, a true story where the whole time you're like, I can't believe this is true. And it's also just great Australian filmmaking. Uh, it's called Holding the Man. Highly recommend. My number three is Kong Skull Island. Um, <laughs> Not on my list. <laughs> okay. Very different list. Yeah. I really don't know why people don't like this movie. Um, this was not anything like what I expected. I really didn't really know what to expect, but I love the idea of this. Is, this is very much like a horror action. Kong is the good guy, and we kind of discover that halfway through. Um, the skull crawlers are the things of my nightmare. <laughs> More of the things of my nightmare are the eighty foot tall spiders. Mm. Those are terrifying. Like this movie genuinely like made me squirm in my seat which I didn't know I wanted when I walked in the theater. I came from monsters and I was expecting, you know, most of Kong doing his Kong thing. And I was pleasantly surprised with everything that I got. And of course you said it in Vietnam war era and you put every Vietnam war song that's ever been used in a Vietnam war movie. And I had a good time. I think I prefer the Godzilla movie, like the standalone Godzilla movie, the very first one, a little bit more, but I, I'm on board. Like I had a really good time. It's just a fun monster movie. Cool. Cool. Um, okay, so my number two is Thor Ragnarok. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I totally didn't know this was in Australia. That would have made it up. Filmed in Queensland. So that's um, for reference, for those of you who don't know Australian geography, that's our very tippy-top state. Uh, it's kind of like our, but we also kind of call it our Florida, um, if you will. It's, you know, kind of a holiday destination, lots of sun, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of movies are being filmed in Queensland right now. And Thor Ragnarok was, and I love it. Not least because I love Taika Waititi. I've been following him since he made his first movie. I've been watching every single movie since then, and it's so good. And then when he got recruited into Marvel, I was so excited. And it's yeah. unlike any other Marvel movie. It's just so colorful. It's so much fun. I love it. And I, I'm a big MCU fan, but this is definitely at the top of my MCU list. Yeah, this would have probably been number two on my list. Yeah. Um, I just, for some reason, didn't think about it. That would be here if I would have remembered be my number two. But my number two is going to be uh, Finding Nemo. This is why Yay. I have that. So we can, we can talk about that now because... Which I didn't even think about. Like, oh yeah, this takes place in Australia. 32 Wallaby Way, Sydney. <laughs> That's right. So I actually only saw like bits and pieces and clips here and there until probably about a year ago. Me and my wife oh, finally wow. sat down and I watched it in full. I mean, I had seen most of the movie and I don't really know that necessarily anything enhanced by sitting it down and watching it in its full. I like it. I don't understand. This probably wouldn't make my top five Pixar, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, this is definitely a a great animated movie. Yeah, I agree, and that like that's why I had my number five. I think I'm kind of on the same level as you, where I I really enjoyed. It. It's not my favorite Pixar movie, maybe not even my top three, um, but 
it's just really lovely. I remember getting the DVD when it first came out as a kid. I still have the same DVD from the first release that I is, you know, nice. still functions by some miracle. Like I didn't scratch it <laughs> until it was unusable. But no, I, you know, it was really fun. Obviously, the thing is, when you, when you live in Australia, the moment any movie, like big movie mentions or is in Australia, you get really excited because you're like, that's where I'm from. Um, I feel that way about Iowa and Indiana because, yeah. like, lots of things takes place in Chicago, in, in Illinois and Chicago, which is where I spent my college years. But yeah. anytime anybody mentions Indiana or Iowa, like, specifically the areas I live. My number one, I wonder if we have the same one, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I, I was a little hesitant when you didn't put the World Warrior up there because these are, these are basically the same movie. No way! No! Road Warrior is way more boring. <laughs> In terms of structure, these are the same movies, but yes, Road Warrior is way less boring, partly because of film techniques that have evolved mm-hmm. over the last 30 years, but also more energetic, more mm-hmm. enthusiastic actors like Nicholas Holt and you know, yeah. Flaming Guitar Guy, who's the standout. <laughs> yeah, Tom, but also like Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron like, make that movie. Yeah. But um, I also just think the story's more interesting. Like I think the story in Road One Warrior, I know that they're similar, like all the Mad Max ones kind of just have a very similar sort of thing. Yeah. He gets stuck in a situation. It's kind of like the Mandalorian. Shows up somewhere, ends yeah. up dealing with whatever's dealing, and then leaves. Like that's just yeah. kind of what happens. Um, but I just think the story was really interesting. I think the characters... That was a huge part of why I loved it. And yeah, exactly what you said. It is so kinetic. Like the movie, the way it's filmed, the fact that most of its practical effects blows my mind. It's stunning in its color, in its cinematography. And it's, you know, isn't it like, it's like a two hour or two and a half hour movie, but I am on the edge of my seat almost the entire movie. Like it, it holds you that whole time. You're never bored, which is something I absolutely yes. love as well. I'm not even totally positive. I think this is on my top 100 of all time or my mm-hmm. favorites of all time. It, this is still like probably not even top 50. This has to be somewhere in sort of the like leader half. But like, I, I, I don't think I'm, again, maybe as high on this movie as most people are, but mm. this is for sure, for sure the best movie set or filmed in australia <laughs> all right well hey let's just do back forth uh, real quick our mm-hmm. honorable honorable mentions i have six um okay i have uh, uh, i have 16 <laughs> okay how about you start and you give two each time okay um the 2003 peter pan i love that movie it's my favorite peter pan of all time and i could watch it even now and still have a really great time um and then mm-hmm. there's a movie that came out called the nightingale it's set in Australia. It's made by Australians, and it's by the same person who did the Babadook. We're gonna start with a, a movie that I haven't seen in twenty years, and I'm pretty sure isn't good. But Kangaroo Jack. Oh no, that's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> it's special to me. Yeah, fair that's enough. all I'll say about that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so for my next two, I have Muriel's Wedding. Um, it's uh, main actress is Tony Collette before she was, you know, Tony Collette. And she's just this like frumpy girl that lives in the Australian suburbs who doesn't really have anything going for her in life. And she really loves ABBA and one, she just w- really, really wants to get married. That's like her whole thing. And she kind of keeps screwing up. And then one day she strikes a deal to marry this Olympian swimmer so that he can stay in the country. <laughs> But then it's like, it's just like a silly Australian comedy sort of thing. And there's lots of like quotes mm. and it's been made into a musical and it's just very iconic. It's a, it's a good time if you're in, in the mood for that sort of thing. Um, and then after that is, you might have heard of this one too, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is just a, a really like ahead of its time movie about 
three drag queens that go on a trip around Australia to all the middle of nowhere country towns that are obviously incredibly bigoted and perform. Sweet. Uh, my next movie is going to be a great story and a mediocre movie. I'm going with Unbroken. I um, don't know if I've heard of that one. It's a it's a story of gosh, I can't remember his name. Oh yes, I have uh, seen it. Oh, that was set okay. here. Yeah, uh, part of it was I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a World War Two veteran. And then, yes, Louis Zamperini, who was in World War Two fighting, and his plane got shot down, and then. He was taken into a POW camp and then eventually came out of the POW camp to become a gold medal Olympic athlete. Mm. Incredible story. Mediocre movie. Yeah, it would have been on my honorable mentions had I remembered it existed. (laughs) Um, Okay, my next two, one of them is Aquaman. Fun fact, we have really, really impressive visual effects uh, houses in Melbourne, the city in which I live, and they worked on, you know, Game of Thrones and a bunch of Marvel movies and Aquaman, and I know someone who worked on the visual effects of Aquaman. And then the next movie is a movie called Jungle. It stars Daniel Radcliffe as this guy who basically got stranded in the middle of the Brazilian jungle on his own and had to survive after getting abandoned by his uh, guide. You know, like the Revenant in terms of that survival and literally constantly having to go through horrible stuff. It's like that. Great. Uh, We're going to talk about another movie that I love that isn't good. I'm going to say Pacific Rim Uprising. Not a good movie, but I love it. Yeah, fair enough. I enjoyed it. I, I, I love the first one and will defend the first yes. one as a good movie. No, the first but one's it's just good. the second one is just kind of just kind of fun. Uh, okay, my next two are The Shallows, the Blake Lively shark stuck mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere have to survive on my own movie. Good time. And then my next movie is another one of those Australian movies. Um, it's called Looking for Ella Brandy. It's based on a book and it's just about a teenage girl uh, who ha- is in her last year of high school and she's in an Italian family and just kind of has to like, it's a coming of age story. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with, man, apparently I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, again, a movie that I saw once, I thought it was enjoyable enough to mention, uh, but the remake of Total Recall, um, I found it quite enjoyable. My expectations were probably lower than a lot of people, mm-hmm. and since I didn't grow up in the 80s, you know, I really liked the original Total Recall, but I thought it was a totally fine movie. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, my next two is there's this animated movie called Fern Gully. It has Robin Williams in it, and it's just about these like forest creatures who have to fight climate change, basically, or forests. <laughs> and then there's this movie called Hating Alice and Ashley. It's another one of those Australian movies. It's just like think like Mean Girls, but in Australia. That's like two it. of my favorite things. I, I recommend it. It's just like a fun teenage movie. Uh, my next one, I'm going to recommend, or it's a, a little movie uh, called The Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> this is not a bad movie. I like this movie. Um, again, I have d- had different expectations. I appreciate it more than I'm an adult. And I appreciate definitely at least the vision that George Lucas tried to bring into it. It's not the worst of the prequel trilogy. I'll say that much. My next one is a movie came out a couple of years ago called Lion. Um, it stars Dev yeah, yeah, Patel. Yeah, and it's about a, a well, an Indian who was uh, brought up in Australia. And then um, another movie is Ned Kelly. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a very famous like Australian figure from history. He was an outlaw. He was a bush ranger, which is like a highwayman. And it's actually really good. And it's just a story of this guy Ned Kelly, and from his life, uh, from his very young life as like an Irish 
convict, uh, part of an Irish family in very early Australia, all the way through to his very tragic but very famous death. And if you want to look into some like proper Australian history, you should check it out. Sure. <laughs> the last one I'll mention is a, a small movie you might have heard of it called The Wolverine. Oh, yeah. And, vaguely, vaguely uh, know of it. <laughs> worth a mention. I only have four left. I'll quickly run through them. One of them is The Rescuers Down Under, so mm-hmm. technically set in Australia. And then The, the Great Gatsby. <laughs> Another Baz Luhrmann, you know, the Leo one. The the, yep. the movie that launched a thousand gifts is what I'll yep. say. Um, and there are a couple uh, Australian ones that are definitely worth checking out. One's called The Babadook. You might have heard of it. And then the final one is called The Dressmaker. Um, it's set in Australia. It's based on a book about this woman that comes back to her old, the Australian country town where she grew up. But she's been, like, working in Paris as a fashion designer and she has to come back to confront basically her this dark past. And it's definitely a black comedy. Great. Well, we did it. We made it through the V-plot, uh, <laughs> which means all we have to do is the spinoff. Uh, Alice, what is that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you pick. I either have a podcast or a YouTube channel. Mm, let's do a YouTube channel. Okay. Um, I don't, like you might have heard of this, but I never see anyone talking about it. So it's a YouTube channel called Cinema Wins. I really love it. Um, obviously, you know, for those of you who don't know about it, but who don't, do know about Cinema Sins, same format, except instead of counting the sins, it's counting the good things about the movie. Um, but I really love it because it goes kind of like a step further. So it'll go through and talk about all the really good stuff. Um, you know, that happening in a movie. And it does do, you know, movies that are really good, like Mad Max and Endgame and that sort of thing. But then it also does movies that are typically panned as terrible movies. So can recommend if yeah. you're a f- film fan, especially if you like Cinema Sins. You're sure to like Cinema Wins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, Alice. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book. This Woo! is like the second time I've ever recommended a book. Uh, <laughs> but this is the first time I'll be recommending a book that's in a very different nature. Uh, and it's it is because uh, I want to recommend a book. Now, let me be clear. This is not a book for just anybody. This is a book specifically for Christians okay. uh, because it's a the- it's a spiritual formation book. It's 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 about Jesus stuff. Um, so if Jesus stuff is not your cup of tea, this is not a book for you. Okay. So it's called Renovation of the Heart, and it's written by a theologian named Dallas Willard, who is just kind of an incredible thinker. Was an incredible thinker. The reason why I want to talk about this is because uh, my day job is I'm a campus minister. I work with college students, and it is my goal with every student that comes through our ministry that I take them through this book because this book had the most profound impact on my spiritual life. It had me thinking most about what it meant to be a Christian and what it meant to live as a Christian. This book was really transformative to me in my college years, and I want to be able to share that with every college student that I encounter. And so this being spring semester, I'm taking uh, a couple of seniors through that um, as they're preparing to you know, enter the real world. And I'm just reminded every single time I read this, how excellent this book is. It's very uh, dense. It's very thought provoking. It's really impactful. It's called Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. Uh, th- this book is the basis for what I did my master's degree in as well, which is mm. just shaping your heart to not just think Christianly, but to feel Christianly, to react and inst- you know, and have instincts in a Christian way. Um, so that is that is my recommend is mm. this book. And on that note, that's a wrap. <laughs> 
we did it. We did it. <laughs> Click Reminded Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then you can email us at writersroom at sifpop.com.email address in your episode description. And you can also get in contact with me via Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. Uh, if you want to support the show, help us the cost that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle. And please don't get, forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps out the show more than ever know. But Alice, time for you to pimp your stuff. Where can people uh, connect with you? And where can people tell you all of their movie opinions and all of the TV obscure TV shows that you're the only one that's watching? <laughs> I'm single-handedly keeping them on the air. Yeah, so I am most <laughs> active on probably Instagram. Uh, my username is Ali G Mick, A-L-I-G-M-I-C-H. I also have an Instagram I have with a couple of friends where we have been for a year, a couple of years now, or a year now, watching every single movie Disney has ever made. We are at the 70s and we always post about like our, um, our review afterwards uh, with like a quick one-liner about our thoughts. We are actually going back to the 40s, however, for our next movie where we will be, I finally managed to get my hands on a DVD copy of this movie called The Sword and the Rose um, about Henry VIII that Disney produced a million years ago. So we'll be going back and watching that. Uh, next but that is at uh, at once upon a marathon so if you are in if you're into disney if you're into movies definitely check us out there yes and that is uh there are periods between each of them yes, it's yes once sorry, dot once. upon dot a yes. just want to make sure we're getting the right stuff so. yeah for sure yeah, I've been following along every now and then whenever I'm on Instagram, which is like once a month. Nice, nice. <laughs> cool. Well, um, Alice, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk stuff with you. But yeah, and as always, there's always a million things to do, like get to bed because it's 2.15 in the morning. Here. <laughs> I need to make dinner because so, seven, it's 7 o'clock in the night for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week I'm not going back to the writer's room. I'm going to bed for the next several hours. <laughs> okay. I'll go back to the writer's room. <laughs> yes, I'll see you there in the morning.